Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book. This is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. those of you who are season one listeners, welcome back. And to those of you who are new to my podcast, welcome to season two of the Pregnancy Wellness Podcast, hosted by me, Pip. I'm a practicing midwife and enthusiast of all things women's wellness, especially when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood. Do you find yourself with lots of pregnancy questions unanswered? Do you feel that extra midwifery support would be useful to you? Do you fully understand how to enhance your pregnancy wellness? You are in good hands. This podcast is for you. Alongside this, I have also been busy creating a 12-month pregnancy journey support group and course to provide you with a whole package of expert wellness and pregnancy information to guide you every step of the way leaving no stone unturned from trimester one right through to trimester four. And I'm now enrolling expectant mums in their first trimester. Spaces will be limited. So if you think this sounds like you, get in touch through my social media or at midwifepip.com. Over the upcoming 15 episodes, I'm excited to be chatting with expert guests and real women on this season to bring you honest, evidence-based information and top tips to navigating your pregnancy wellness journey. I hope these episodes leave you feeling positive and empowered. And don't forget, for more support and birth preparation, to check out my website, midwifepip.com for your free birth preference plan download. I hope that you are sat comfortably and ready for the midwife chats and knowledge bombs to commence. In a world where we are all seeking to be more environmentally friendly and are on a mission to be kinder to our planet, there seems to be a minefield of considerations and choices to make over our lifestyles and purchases. Many new and expectant mums are seeking ways to parent in a more eco-conscious and sustainable way than we have done in previous generations. Even the smallest adjustments to everyday living can have a huge impact on supporting the momentum towards greater sustainability and the production of less waste. On this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by midwife and mum, Angie Willis, 
to discuss her top tips for easy eco-motherhood hacks that will also help save you some money along the way. Angie's worked as a midwife in a variety of settings, including delivery suites and birth centres, and has been practising in the community. She is also a trained and registered health visitor and has completed her master's in professional development. Angie's academics doesn't stop there, however. She's gone on to teach midwifery students and has a number of publications in various journals. Angie is a cloth nappy library volunteer and an enthusiast of promoting sustainability and motherhood in a more eco-friendly way. Angie's going to share her tips and tricks for embracing an eco-motherhood stance to help us navigate the endless choices available and simplify environmentally friendly parenting. Welcome Angie and thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat to us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that we're covering this top topic Angie because it seems to be kind of a current trend and that's amazing but there's so much choice isn't there and so much to try and kind of navigate through. There is and I think that's the biggest thing about I mean everything is sold to parents massively and huge amounts are sold to parents where actually they end up postnatally realizing they haven't needed stuff um, and then that's then either sort of lost money um, if they've invested it themselves or lost money from in terms of presents being given to them that weren't needed um, and okay yeah there is a good second-hand market but not everything sells second-hand so um, I think for the environmentally benefits, it also helps with the economic benefits as well of everything that happens postnatally. Yeah, definitely. And it's brilliant that you've got this kind of um, dual insight on this, if you like, if you like. As, a, as a new mum who has navigated this, but also as a midwife who is constantly speaking to women who are asking for kind of suggestions and things that they need to purchase in preparation for a newborn. So it's brilliant that you've got this kind of double insight which is going to be really, really helpful, I'm sure, to our listeners. So when it comes to your experiences, Angie, of a new mum trying to navigate kind of all of the things that you need to purchase, how can we try and approach that in a bit more of an eco-friendly way? Because it's easy just to go mad, isn't it? There's so much marketing um, and so many gorgeous and enticing items and, and things we can buy, but how can we start to kind of think about it in a bit more of a environmentally conscious angle yeah so I mean you can take it from sort of the reduce reuse recycle type of um, background with it when you're buying stuff it's worth actually asking sort of friends and parents actually if you've got them around you what was really beneficial for them um, and just look at the most basic of items for your child in the antenatal period so you know not thinking about all the you know luxurious things that um, and marketed to you from a lot of companies but thinking about you know just where your baby's going to sleep things like cots um, you know they don't need all of these bed nests or anything like that they're not safe anyway from the lullaby trust guidelines and they'll cost you a fortune and if they're not safe they might as well not be used anyway um, but you know you're looking at the basic things the baby needs to sleep somewhere a baby needs to eat and a baby needs to be closed and that's all that they really need in the early days because actually what they really need from you as a mum is love they just need that love and comfort and as long as they're they're fed they're warm and they've got somewhere to sleep that's all they're really going to need especially in that newborn day um, sort of phase as well um so things um to sort of think about right from the start is actually looking into the second hand market wherever you can do and that will save you an absolute fortune and also 
the carbon footprint of it is a lot less, the sustainability of it is a lot less, um, and it's just really kind to your pockets, especially if you're going on maternity leave and your um, income is, is decreasing as a result of being um, a new mum. We bought for my daughter, um, our cot was brand new, but that's because we wanted to invest for future children as well. So for us, investing in the cot early on, um, and we got lots of discounts and things, just worked really well for us. But our pushchair set, that was hardly ever used actually, it's amazing how little we used our pushchair set. Um, we only bought for £100 secondhand off of the Facebook Marketplace, and, and Marketplace has got huge amounts of things that you can buy really cheaply and easily. The only thing that we did really want to buy new was our car seats, and that's just from a safety perspective. If we had known someone close to us who was selling on their car seat, that we had known the full history of that car seat, that it's never been an accident, we would have considered buying a car seat from a friend, um, but we wouldn't have bought it off secondhand marketplace just because of the safety avenue with it um, and not knowing what the full history is. So um, we managed to buy that one. Clothing, we bought secondhand, um, anything that wasn't gifted to us, um, which you tend to get as lots of baby showers and things from sort of presents and stuff. Anything that wasn't gifted to us, I spent less than £100 on clothing in the first year. And the average parent will spend about £900 to £1,000 on clothing in the first year alone, mm. which is ridiculous. Mm. Um, they like within a week. <laughs> they do, and they puke on them, and they poo on them, and it literally covers the whole thing. And some outfits... Sometimes you just have to be in if it won't come out with stain remover. So you kind of think if you're spending 20, 30 pounds an outfit on a child, it's just going to go to waste and it's not worth half the money on, you know, sort of selling secondhand at all. Most of the bundles I bought for um, Evie's first year of life cost me a tenner for all of her naught to three months and then a tenner for sort of the next um, sort of size up. And then we bought um, a couple of like all in one sort of um, snowsuits, which were a little bit more expensive secondhand. But it's just not worth, you know, secondhand market retail place at all. So secondhand clothing is really sustainable. It's really, again, carbon footprint friendly. And it also reduces that whole fast fashion side of things as well, which is a big topic at the moment in sort of the um, eco-friendly world, really. You've also got to think about the amount of water that it takes to generate new clothes. Um, and wherever possible, organic clothing, if you're going to look into sort of new stuff, organic clothing is slightly better for the environment because the cotton that we buy within our um, clothes, especially the cheaper end of, you know, the spectrum, if you're buying sort of from supermarkets or um, the cheaper end of um, the fashion world, really, all of that cotton is made with pesticides, with lots of chemicals to be able to grow that cotton in the first place in a really quick um, way. But it, of course, diminishes the amount of um, species, the amount of bugs and animals, you know, bees, everything by growing that with pesticides. So trying to look into sort of more organic clothing. If you're going to buy new organic clothing is the more um, eco friendly way, but it will cost you slightly more as a result because you can't farm as much cotton with the organic side of things as you can with just sort of your generic cotton with the pesticides and stuff involved. That's amazing to hear, Angie. And I just wonder if is that the same for like maternity wear? So in terms of going secondhand and then looking at organic stuff for mums as well as babies and assuming that it kind of mirrors. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that you have to buy everything organic, but actually if you can have a look into 
alternatives wherever you can do. There's always going to be certain things that you look at the organic sort of clothing market and you go, I really don't like that. And that's fine. But actually, if you can just make a swap here and there and everywhere, and there are quite a few sustainable companies now who are um, selling organic clothing for adults. Um, I mean, Frugi is probably the biggest one out there and they sell maternity wear. Um, but I mean, their clothing is really good. And the thing with organic clothing as well is it's durable. It's meant to last. Um, as long as it's washed properly and correctly, um, actually, it is meant to last a lot longer than, say, your your Primark end of the spectrum stuff, really. Um, but that's just one of the other uh, ways of being as sustainable as you can in those early days. So that clothing side of things in a way that you can really save a lot of money. And then I think probably the biggest saving for me was probably reusable nappies and wipes. And that was probably the 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 catalyst for me, actually. So when I was pregnant, I wasn't interested in, in co-parenting at all. It just wasn't part of my thing. It was all about saving money, becoming a new mum, because your income just drops so drastically to what you're used to. And then you've got to, you know, look after a baby and, and do everything for them. And that's the hardest thing. But um, I looked into cloth nappies and the average parent will spend about £600 to about £1,200 in the lifetime of their child on nappies alone. So that's per child. So that's literally money you're throwing in the bin, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's literally money that you are throwing in the bin. And I mean, the cheapest end of the spectrum, if you buy the cheapest nappies on the market, you'll still look at about £200 to £250 a year on them. So whereas cloth nappies, depending on the brand, depending on what you're going for, will cost you on average about £400 in total. And those nappies, again, depending on the brand, depending on what you're going for, will last into another child and can even be sold on later on again if they've been washed really well, which is just an absolute fortune saved. I mean, the biggest and easiest thing to transition to is cloth wipes for everybody. You know, I mean, we use um, reusable wipes will save you an absolute fortune. I spent £30 on um, cloth wipes before Evie was born. They're still going now at two years. I've spent nothing more on reusable wipes. And the average parent will spend about 80 to 100 pounds on wipes a year. Now, if you're wiping hands and faces until the child's five, six, seven plus years old, actually, that's a lot of money saved um, from sort of the wipes. And plastic wipes still haven't degraded um, even now. So the first disposable wipes, the first disposable nappies ever made, they're still in landfill and they still won't rot for another 500 years. Um, and it was more the economical, so the financial um, reduction and cost saving for me of the nappies that's made me then think about all the other things so it's the nappies and the wipes that then set a trigger for all the other things that we can do as parents to be able to make the small changes and I think the biggest thing with cloth nappies and wipes is parents think it has to be all or nothing it doesn't it's like with anything you know you can part-time it you can just do it while you're in the house you could do it for your night time for example you could do it full time if that's really what you want. But actually, when you go on holiday, then you go for more of the eco disposable route. You know, there are ways of mix and matching it. Um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest put it off things is that actually because cloth nappies cost quite a lot of money up front and it's not part of your weekly household shop. Usually it puts some parents off of, is because of that upfront cost. But you can transition, you know, really slowly. You could buy, say, four or five nappies or you could ask at your baby shower that each person that buys you a gift just buys you a nappy which will save you a fortune and it's better than sort of the 50 comforters that you will get given um, that won't get used but if you get given one nappy a week or one nappy at each time you'll start to be able to transition full time and you only need about 20 to 25 nappies 
to cloth full time washing every other day, which is amazing. So, you know, you really don't need a huge amount. It just depends on what you're going to want to use. We were just talking about um, that you could cloth nappy full time and you'd need about 25 to 30, but actually you can gradually build those up. You don't have to go out in one go and splash out on all 30. And that's it. And it just makes a big difference. I mean, cloughing from newborn is slightly different from about sort of eight weeks onwards. And that's just because of the size of a baby. Um, so newborn, you'll probably look at muslins and cloths, which are the uh, and wraps, which are probably the easiest way to cloth a newborn from birth. And literally, it's just a muslin that you would use as sort of a sick cloth or, you know, your, your birthing cloth, whatever you use. Literally just put that in a wrap and you're ready to go. Um, and that can actually be used throughout your entire two years if that's the way you want to go. It's a really cheap way of doing cloth nappies. I mean, the lower end of the spectrum, if you want to do sort of terry towels and wraps or um, muslins and wraps, they will probably only cost you about £100 and they can be used for the entire two years. So there is a cheaper way of doing it. They're a bit more faff and that's probably what puts some parents off, um, especially if you just want something that looks more like a disposable in terms of just putting it on the baby. Um, but that's a really cheap and easy way to actually cloth from a newborn. And you've got to think newborns go through about 10 to 12 nappies a day um, until they're about six to eight weeks old. Um, and then it decreases to about six-ish nappies a day. So it just shows how many more you need for those early newborn days. But lots of parents will do disposables just to begin with. Get through those first six to eight weeks of sort of newborn phase, especially if you're new parents and you've never used cloth nappies before. And then they'll transition over to cloth nappies. And other ways to make it cheaper as well is to look into the secondhand marketplace for cloth nappies because there are plenty out there. Um, but also looking into uh, cloth na nappy libraries as well because cloth nappy libraries allow you to trial lots of nappies, see what works for you as a family, and then you can make your decision as to what has worked, what hasn't worked, what you do and don't like. And then that way you've tried things before you bought them and you're only investing then in the nappies that you actually or really like or really want and it's not a um, money down the drain where it's just not worked for you that particular type of nappy for example so cloth nappy libraries are a great way to try things and most of them are free of charge or they're voluntary donations or they're charitable places that will make it a lot um, cheaper for you going forward that's a really good idea isn't it because if it's off putting the thought of investing in this unknown product actually if you've already given it a go you can literally try before you buy that that's amazing that's a really good a good starting point isn't it absolutely and they're often run by local councils or they're run by local charities i mean here in wiltshire we're kind of under the umbrella of wiltshire wildlife trust it's a bit uh, political as to how we kind of run but we're kind of under the wiltshire wildlife trust but some of the councils up and down the country as well offer vouchers because on average, um, the annual cost in the UK of getting rid of disposable nappies is £40 million a year, which is an extortionate amount of money that is actually coming out of our council tax money. Mm -hmm. So what a lot of councils do is they offer vouchers towards reusable nappies. So um, it depends on where you are in the country. It's a, very, it's a big postcode lottery. But they'll offer you between anywhere between £20 and £50 worth of vouchers towards um, reusable nappy packs or they'll provide you a trial pack free of charge that you get to keep and that's a way of actually getting into it very gradually what's amazing is the Scotland um, baby boxes they include two nappies two reusable nappies for all babies which is just amazing um, I mean Scotland really are paving the way in terms of sustainability I, I really do have to take my hat off to them for a lot of things 
Um, but it's a way of being able to get parents into it a lot easier and uh, without the financial upfront implications as quickly as well, which is good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's a really good point. And actually with the finances, Angie, some of the other tips that you shared in terms of secondhand clothing, you could quite easily start to make up that difference in the nappies, couldn't you? Because you can spend a fortune on newborn clothing that, as we said, is gone within like the first couple of weeks because your baby's outgrown them. So actually saving money in that department is money that could be put into the upfront cost of the nappies. And then after that first year, you're um, you're winning with money in your pockets, aren't you, for for saving money? Absolutely. And if you're planning on having more babies, actually, you're not going to have to ever pay out for disposable nappies again in your lifetime, you know, because, yes, some of them will disintegrate if you bought the real cheap end, um, you know, cheaply made nappies. Absolutely. They might not last more than one baby. But certainly the sort of higher end of um, sort of the nappy world or things like terry towels or, you know, cotton or prefolds, things that literally will still be going in 30 or 40 years time. You know, there are people on the nappy lady website who have got their own nappies out from when they were babies and they're using them on their children. And it just shows how long they last. Um, and if they start disintegrating, they make very good cleaning rags. They make great cleaning sort of towels. So, again, it's that sustainability because you can use them in other things and on other things. But um, most of the um, sort of parents, I mean, especially for the reusable wipes, they're still going on baby three, four, five, you know, and you just think how long that's lasted compared to the plastic wipes that still won't be disintegrating. And I think what's the other thing is to sort of consider as well is that the eco nappies, the eco wipes, they actually aren't very eco, but they, they're um, eco washed is probably the easiest way to describe it is that lots of parents think they're doing the right thing and buying the most expensive brands, which can cost, cost an absolute fortune. I mean, the £1,200 over the two and a half years of disposable nappies are based on um, the non-eco brands of nappies. For eco nappies, you probably look at 1500 to £2,000 if you're going for the eco nappies. And they all claim to break down. Um, the problem is, is they break down in real um, non-landfill conditions. So they break down if you compost them in heat yourself in your garden. And I don't know anybody who is going to compost their own nappies or wipes with food and poo and wee. Um, and it's a real shame. They, they have a lot less chemicals, which is great. So if you're doing sort of cloth nappies or you're wanting to choose eco nappies from a chemical perspective, they have a lot less chemicals, which can reduce the chance of nappy rash and um, uh, dry skin problems and other problems that can come with disposables but they will only break down in the right conditions. So they don't actually break down in landfill. And I know some of the nappy companies are looking at maybe trying to take them back and recycle them somehow and actually break them down properly. Um, but in the right conditions, they take about six to 10 years to break down, but these aren't landfill conditions, which is why it's a little bit of a con, I think, for parents in terms of the, the, you know, the biodegradable in brackets, wipes and nappies, because parents don't often think that uh, they will biodegrade in the right way, if that makes sense. Definitely. That's like a proper naughty marketing, isn't it? Because you would absolutely look at that and think, brilliant, I'm paying a bit of a premium, but I feel like I'm doing this to be good to the environment. But actually, it's not quite what we're being sold, is it? So that's a, that's a really good tip, actually, for anyone who's thinking about going down that route, that actually maybe we need to just consider consider why we're thinking about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there are lots of other benefits to sort of cloth nappies and cloth wipes. I mean, chemicals is probably the biggest thing. And if you pick up any sort of disposable pack of 
um, wipes, you'll notice on the back of the packaging just how many chemicals there are. Even water wipes has got, you know, 0.5% worth of chemicals, and that's chemicals against baby skin. Um, and a lot of them can dry the baby's skin out, they can cause nappy rash. And you tend to find that with cloth nappies, as long as they are washed correctly um, and down to the, the manufacturer's guidance on washing uh, cloth nappies, most parents don't ever have to buy nappy rash cream ever. Um, I'm still on the same um, tube that I was from going over to cloth wipes and cloth nappies at eight weeks old. Little trial tube of metanium that I've, uh, we're still on now at two years old. And the only time that Evie really gets nappy rash is when we've got teething. And that's about it. And that's because the urine becomes a lot more concentrated and can burn their skin slightly more. Um, and that's in disposable and cloth, you know, nappies. But um, what transitioned me a bit quicker was Evie's nappy rash because she just was red inflamed. We were using nappy rash cream every change. And the moment we went over to cloth nappies, I just didn't use any more. It just wasn't needed. And it just highlighted how many chemicals there are um, in sort of the nappies. And the nappies... I think parents don't sort of um, necessarily know, but there's about 120 chemicals within a disposable nappy, mm. of which are things like formaldehyde and other things that are used for preserving, you know, dead bodies or in cigarettes, for example. And we're not told about that, which is a real shame because a lot of things aren't regulated. And the same with what goes into nappies. And you tend to find the cheapest end of the nappies have the more chemicals in. And the higher up that you go up sort of in terms of costing, you tend to find there are slightly less chemicals. Um, and that's why often parents will find that um, they'll get nappy rash with certain nappies and not other brands of disposable nappies because of the chemical content. Because what happens is um, when a baby wheezes or poos, it reacts with all the chemicals that are in this inside of the nappy. And then that goes onto the skin. So that's often what causes the nappy rash. And, that was probably one of the things that interested me in cloth nappies is because I, I did my health visitor training is I worked just a day in an area where there was almost 50% of, you know, parents coming in with cloth nappies. Not one of them bought nappy rash cream and yet every baby in clinics before I'd always seen nappy rash cream used. And I was like, why aren't these parents using it? And no, they just don't use it unless there's a real issue. Um, it can treat eczema. So if you've got a baby with eczema, um, a lot of the mums on the parenting sites, the nappy parenting sites, transition over to cloth because of the eczema that was being caused by the chemical reaction in disposable nappies. And it's amazing that we're not really educated in that, which is a massive shame, I think, but it comes down to advertising and marketing. Um, and that's what it comes down to ultimately with a lot of parenting choices. That's amazing to hear. So not only is it kind of like an economic and environmental thing, it's actually potentially a health thing as well, isn't it? If we're helping to mitigate some of these common, like such common baby conditions, nappy rash and eczema, aren't they? Like so, so common. But actually that's a really simple change that could not only save you money, but also actually help your baby in the long run. Absolutely. And developmentally as well. So if you've got a baby with hip dysplasia, cloth nappies are recommended because... What cloth nappy does is because they're slightly more bulky, they actually hold the hips in place within the hip joints and the hip sockets. Um, and so if you've got a baby whose hips are dislocatable, one of the um, treatments that's recommended is a brace, but also to have the cloth nappy in the middle to be able to actually hold the hips where they need to be. So if, in terms of hip health, cloth nappies are also much better. And there's quite a few studies on that actually highlighting that cloth nappies are much better Again, because a disposable nappy, because there isn't that bulk there, especially in the early days, their hips kind of come inwards. 
So actually, it's more likely to bring their hips slightly out of socket and out of joint than actually keeping it in place. And the other thing is that babies who are in cloth nappies are much more likely to potty train a lot earlier because cloth nappies, they draw the moisture away, but there's always that slight dampness. So they know when they're weighing and there's that tiny bit of delay compared to disposables where they can feel the urine as it's being absorbed. So it's not as quick absorbing. And so what that does is that starts to train the mind, especially in toddlers, when they need to wee, and they'll come out and say that they need to wee or they need to you know, um, have a poo a lot earlier and a lot quicker. And we've seen that over the years. So you know, 20, 30 years ago, the average age to toilet train a child was 18 to 24 months. Um, and a lot of us, some of us would have been in cloth nappies back then. And then as the disposable market has increased, we are now at two and a half to three years is the average toilet training child. Um, and especially at nighttime as well. So um, we've got a lot more nocturnal enuresis. And that is the condition where children continue wetting themselves at night over the age of six years old. So that's when it's um, diagnosed is that before six years old, night wetting is quite common. Um, but over the age of six years old, we've got lots more um, parents having to use bigger size disposable nappies, and yes, there are some underlying health conditions for these people, but we're finding that, you know, uh, children who have never had a genetic family history of bedwetting, no genetic conditions, they're continuing to wet the bed and continuing to have these accidents and continuing to wear pull-ups for a lot longer now. The waiting lists to see school nurses are, are absolutely immense up and down the country. And it's almost like actually the disposable nappies have taken away that ability for children to start learning to recognise their own we and poo patterns, which do come in around about the 18 to 24 months of recognising when they need to go to the toilet. I'm not saying that they'll be potty trained by that stage, but recognising. But it then starts that stepping stone up towards toilet training and being dry during the day and night. Um, so it just highlights as well the, the sort of long term developmental benefits from using cloth nappies too. That's amazing. And that's the sort of stuff that would totally interest my mind. Maybe that's because I'm a midwife and I'm in for the kind of health staff and, and child development side of things. I can totally see from my other half's point of view, the financial thing would be a benefit. And I could definitely see a spreadsheet being made with the nappy. <laughs> so I feel like there's definitely kind of all sorts of different benefits, which is amazing. Um, and a, a really easy transition for us to start making. And also, they look really cute, don't they, the cloth nappies? Like, some of the designs are gorgeous, whereas your disposable ones are fairly kind of plain and simple, aren't they? Whereas the cloth ones are almost like clothing in their own right. They are. And I mean, there is a fashion element of it as well, because actually they do look a lot prettier. So um, I'm, I'm going from an economical and environmentally, ideally you should use less and not have huge amounts, but a lot of us do get sucked into the pretty patterns and the new releases and everything else. And even then, you're still going to be probably selling them on or passing them on. Um, you know, my my little lambs kits, um, my size one have been through four, four friends' babies so far. So my newborn nappies have gone through four babies already. So those nappies, that kit of nappies that I've bought um has probably saved on average probably about 15 to 20,000 worth of nappies because they've been through so many babies so far and they're still going and they're still brilliant and they'll come back to me if I ever have any more which is fab and then I'll be able to sell them on as well so you know the fashion element is is amazing it really is um in terms of those but I mean the other thing that you can have a look at talking about that sort of calculator and spreadsheets there is a really good website called cloth will save us Okay. And if you type it into, into Google, Cloth Will Save Us, actually you can 
if you're already a parent, you can type in how many nappies disposable you're using a day. Um, and then what it will do is if you then transition that to a reusable nappy, it will show you how many nappies you're going to save from landfill, how many um, CO2, so how much uh, carbon uh, dioxide that you're going to be saving, and also how much money you're going to save from it as well. So it's a really good little calculator if you're um, a bit geeky like that and wanting to just know all these little statistics and facts. Well, it's a great way of being able to type it in and find out just how much it could potentially save you as well. That's brilliant. I will um, find that, Angela. I'll link it in the description of this podcast because that sounds like a brilliant little way, especially if um, one maybe one parent is all for the kind of eco side of it and the other one's thinking that's a lot of money to, to sort of spill out in one go. Actually looking at it for longevity is a really nice way of, a way of planning ahead, isn't it? So I'll definitely link that in, in the description. It is. I think I think what puts off people is the poo actually and going in a washing machine. But we we've got to remember that we put, you know, our pants, we put our socks in the washing machine on a day to day basis with, you know, bacteria and with everything else. And our washing machines are really good these days. It's not like we have to scrub them like we, you know, once upon a time used to. So the poo thing is not an issue anyway until they start having food. And in the first six months, they can literally just, you know, you literally just chuck in what you've got because both both formula and breastfeeding both of their poos are water soluble so it's not like you've got peas and carrots that you've got to fish out or anything like that yeah. so the first six months there's no there's no concern with poo they can all go in the wash 60 degrees kills off everything 60 degrees you know washes everything um and it still uses a lot less water than what the average single um disposable nappy will have as well mm. yeah that's a really good point i probably didn't think of that because i'm used to washing my uniform which has got other people's bodily fluids on so the idea of being your own baby is actually like nothing is it <laughs> yeah it's not and as a parent you're going to be washing poo stained clothes as well you know I, I did more washing before cloth nappies than I did post cloth nappies because disposable nappies just don't contain the poo they don't have a waistband they don't have elastics where you know you you probably heard from sort of all the horror stories the punamis that happen in disposable nappies you know you open up the nappy the moment that they poo and it's up to their head I've never had a punami, you know, in a cloth nappy. My husband has where he's not fitted one, right? Um, and even then, it only went up partway up the back, whereas actually it probably would have gone up to the hairline um, had it not been a cloth nappy. But yeah, it makes a big difference. It means that actually you're probably doing less washing after cloth nappies than you were pre-cloth nappies because if they're pooing eight, nine times, tens a day, those poos go everywhere in a disposable nappy. Yeah, no, that's a good tip. Now, they are a little bit more bulky than like traditional disposable, I shouldn't call them traditional, should I? Than disposable nappies, the, the reusable ones. So does that affect the clothing that you buy at all, Angie? Do you need to upsize or? Potentially. So it, again, it depends on the brand that you get. Actually, there are some brands on the market of like all-in-ones. So where the nappies look like a disposable because they're all-in-one, there's sort of no uh, taking bits and pieces out. Um, and so actually, because they're really slim, they are the slimness almost of a disposable nappy. Um, and certainly on my Instagram page, if you scroll down, there's um, a comparison and it just shows the differences in branding um, of cloth nappies. Yeah. Some of the um, nappies you will need to either upsize for or you can get something called vest extenders. Um, and basically that makes your vest last longer. And I mean, you can do this even if you don't use uh, cloth nappies, you can make the vest last longer just by putting an extender on and they only cost a few pounds off of um sort of all the nappy retailer sites um and they can be reused again and again 
Um, certainly for your night nappies, because you're all wanting your night nappies to probably last you all night and not having to change them after that six to eight week period um, of, of actually making them last sort of 10 to 12 hours is what you want your night nappy to last. And in which case, because they need to last that long, you're going to need more material as a result. So um, you will probably need to upsize or use the best extenders much earlier. But the great thing is, is actually when it comes to toilet training, when you get there is actually then you stay in those piles for a lot longer as well because they'll last a lot longer because you've already upsized and you stay in that size for longer so you're kind of making your clothes last a bit longer in some respects hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And those um, nappy extenders sound amazing as well, actually. That's another good, good little um, money saving and, and making clothes last longer hack as well, which is great. So we've definitely talked lots about kind of nappies and wipes. And is it safe to say that these are probably the two kind of newborn and motherhood products that are most damaging to the environment? Yes, uh, they probably are. Um, that So when you look at sort of all of our waste and our carbon footprint as parents, our two top things that actually come, and, and this next bit is not meant to make anyone feel guilty about their choices, everyone makes their choices, but the two biggest eco things that you can do for your children is to breastfeed and to use cloth nappies. So they are probably the two biggest um, side of things or, or reduce your fashion um, intake so you know choosing secondhand nappies but um, breastfeeding because of the amount of carbon that actually goes into um, our formula industry the amount of transport in our formula industry the amount of plastic in terms of bottles and sterilizers and machines and you know all these gadgets formula does have a massive impact on our environment um, and it's it is the top two so nappies and, and formula are the biggest impacts a parent can have on choosing a more economical and uh, environmental uh, choice for their children and like I said it's not to make anyone feel guilty because actually lots of people choose formula for a variety of reasons yeah. but actually if you can give some breast milk again it doesn't have to be all or nothing or just choosing to use breast milk part-time or even just giving it a go you know just starting with breast milk actually that's going to reduce how much formula your child has overall in the long term and that's going to reduce how many bottles you need and how many sterilizers you need and then reusing those bottles you can reuse those bottles as well for future children so that's another economical way of doing things you'll just need to change the teats if you choose to formula feed any future children um but yeah they're the biggest two impacts on um, our parenting i think the other thing is probably plastic toys so actually trying to come away from plastic toys wherever we can do and choose more sustainable toys you know wooden toys i mean children don't need a huge amount in the first year they they need books more than anything. They need to be read to. They need to be sung to. You know, they need your eye contact. They actually learn more from um, facial contact, eye contact, from being sung to, danced to, baby massage, whatever. They learn more from that than they will learn from toys. Mm-hmm. Um, and toys come in a little bit later when the child gets a bit older. And then when they get a bit older, choosing the wooden route is probably a lot more um, environmentally friendly than choosing the plastic that goes into it. 
And the other thing with wooden toys is they last for generations and generations. You know, they just last forever. So again, they can be sold on. You can buy them on the secondhand market. Um, most of Evie's first year Christmas toys um, and her stocking fillers came off of Facebook for £15. Like it was an absolute bargain that I've got all these wooden toys. And they're going now brilliantly. And they're easy to clean, easy to wipe down. And they're fabulous, you know, and, and actually she plays with them quite a lot. Um, but that's just another way of being able to be more um, environmentally sort of sustainable, really, especially when you're choosing the products for your children as they grow up and get bigger. And also educating them on it as well, you know, that actually wooden toys are better for the planet compared to plastic toys. Um, and there's always going to be toys that you can't get the wooden version of, you know. Um, and that's fine. And, and as your child gets older, you still have to listen to them. And um, if, if you want to give them what they really want, then that's absolutely fine. But I mean, even things like babies and dolls, you can get crochet ones. Wool is a lot more sustainable than plastic still. You know, you can get rag dolls. Rag dolls, again, most of them have no plastic in. And you can have a look at sort of the more ethical, um, ethically sourced rag dolls and, and dollies and, you know, crochet items. So you know, choosing smaller businesses that have looked into the ethical background of their products or of their resources, you're helping small businesses. So actually you're helping lots of people, especially in COVID-19, you're helping sustain those small businesses, but you're also helping the planet and helping other people as well. You know, where's the product been made? How's it been made? How's it been sourced? And then that makes you feel better as well as parent, because actually you know that you've supported those side of things and you're teaching your children where they've come from and, and actually who's manufactured them and who's made them. Definitely. And I think one of the things that the joys of 2020 has highlighted to us is the importance of supporting small independent businesses. And quite often we find that it's these small businesses that are practicing better sustainability um, and are offering these more environmentally friendly kind of toys and clothing and, and gifts and all of that kind of stuff. And there's some gorgeous um, wooden toys that you can get now. And like you say, back in the sort of our parents or our grandparents' generations, that was the sort of toy that they had and they were handmade and they were passed down generations with a real kind of story behind them. And it would be beautiful for us to get back to that kind of tradition. I love that. Absolutely. And again, you know, if you wanted the plastic toys, if you wanted to source it in a more environmentally friendly way, have a look again, Facebook Marketplace, you know, eBay, you know, has it been used before? And in which case your carbon footprint is neutral then because you've reused a toy that has been passed on you know you haven't bought it brand new therefore um you've actually saved a lot environmentally in terms of footprint and um in terms of ethical sort of resourcing as well then and money because kids toys are yeah. cost so much don't they and they love them for like an hour and then it's like oh next <laughs> absolutely yeah i wasn't going to buy a jumperoo because they would just cost a fortune they're about 100 pounds the jumperoos um, and went on a play date um, with some friends and she absolutely loved it but I picked it up on, on Facebook for 20 quid I was like bargain perfect and actually it's in the attic can be reused for any future ones and then pass it on you know Facebook marketplace which would be good yeah it's good and actually that's when I think mums coming together you know that kind of like community where you do share tips and tricks so it might be that actually you found this wooden toy that is brilliant or one that actually isn't so good and sharing those things so that everyone can save a bit of money. Um, because I think ev everyone who is on maternity leave or got a new baby is watching the pennies, aren't we? Because it is a challenging time. So you can all kind of be sharing tips and tricks and, and, then, and then items as well, which is just brilliant. 
Definitely. And I mean, the other things that you can think about as well, a lot of places in Nigeria this, we're used to libraries for books and they're great. And actually a library is, again, a very environmentally friendly sort of um, arena to go for, especially if, if money is tight for you. You know, don't buy hundreds of books, just literally have one or two or ask for them for Christmas and birthdays and things because kids love books. You know, Evie absolutely adores all of her books and will happily sit and read them. You can use a library, but there are toy libraries now coming up. And the great thing about toy libraries is actually that then um, means that you're hiring a toy for a certain amount of time. You know, we talk about toy rotations now as well, because if you've got all your toys out at once, what happens is kids get really bored really quickly and easily and they forget about all these toys. Whereas actually if you put toys away and then bring them out every now and then, they actually then start to play with it. It's a bit like when you go around your friends, their, their toys are much more interesting than yours. And that's because it's brand new to them again and it's reinvigorating those excitements. So developmentally doing a toy rotation or um, you know doing a toy library, that can save a fortune for parents. You haven't actually had to buy it. You haven't got to store it. You haven't got to sell it on. So it's a great way. And there are a lot of um, sort of toy subscription libraries as well, where you can pay a certain fee and then you get to choose a toy every month or every two months. If you really like it and your child really likes it, then you can keep it and you can pay the extra cost or you send it back and you get a new toy, for example. So that's another way of being sort of more environmentally um, sustainable and, and friendly, as well as really good for um, sort of your purse and for the financial um, reasons really and it's just a really nice new way of doing things I think. Yeah definitely oh that sounds brilliant as well I love that and I like the idea that you can sort of move the toys so that you've got some that are hidden and then they literally forget about them so they feel like they've got a new toy which makes them excited as well um, but but with no extra cost which is great. Absolutely. The other thing I just wanted to touch on Angie was when we um, think of anyone who's had a new baby or is expecting a new baby we tend to go crazy with the amount of stuff that we buy. Um, and I know you said at the beginning, especially in the antenatal period, just focus on those key things. So where's your baby going to sleep? How are you going to transport them? What nappies and wipes are you, are you going to get for them? Um, but do we actually need to go so crazy? I mean, I think most new mums probably have a better wardrobe for their baby than they've ever had in their life. And they're going to grow out of it realistically in the next few months. <laughs> but they've probably spent a fortune. Absolutely. And it is just looking at the real basics, you know. I mean, it's a newborn. You're probably going to get through four or five outfits a day easily in the early days with the, with the vomit that they have, with the poo and everything else. But after they turn about three months old, unless you've got a really refluxy baby, you probably only need, again, 15 outfits, tops, you know, when you're talking about sort of best baby grows, especially if you're washing every other day or, you know, um, every couple of days. You're not going to need that many outfits at all. And certainly in the early days, unless you really are going for like photo shoots and things like that, look at the practicalities of what you're actually going to be dressing your baby in. Um, I think probably one of the most annoying things is being given baby grows that did up at the back of a baby. That was really irritating. <laughs> so, you know, as much as they looked okay, when you're changing five or six outfits a day, you know, having to undo it at the back where the poo's going to be, not not fun at all you know look at the practicalities of what you're buying um and actually you're probably not going to want lots of layers in the early days either you know you're not going to want to you know dress your baby up in lots of dresses or lots of other outfits unless you've got actual you know um going out events and things like that so look at what practically is going to be the easiest especially in those first six to eight weeks 
Um, and I only buy what is absolutely necessary or ask people to buy you what you actually want and do wish lists are quite a good way of doing things because that way that you get the things that you want to need. One of my friends is very um, uh, sort of minimalist actually. And she said, probably the best tip that I can give you um, as a new mum is literally buy the absolute basics for this baby. You know, your pram, your, your car seat, um, literally a handful of outfits um, just to get you through that first week more than anything. Um, and she said, don't even worry about a breast pump because do you know what? If you need it, Amazon do de next day delivery. And, and I, I, I use Amazon as probably my example purely because most of us have Amazon Prime and I know they're not the most ethical of companies and probably not the best in terms of taxes and stuff like that so put politics aside but they do next day delivery and so do lots of other companies that if you suddenly find that you needed I don't know a breastfeeding pillow for example because you think it will be more comfy in the in the new days or you suddenly wanted to buy nursing bras or you wanted a pump or you wanted whatever it is that you think that's going to be really useful that's going to be something I, I really want to use and need you can order it and it'll be there the next day. And that's probably the easiest way to look at it. Or you can pay first class delivery on whatever you've got so that you get it a bit quicker. You know, we live in a world where, you know, we don't have to think about our next shopping trip when we go out. Actually, we live in a very technological world where we can have things delivered the next day for us. So, you know, save a lot of that until the postnatal period and then, you know, buy exactly what you need and only what you need because that will help. Yeah, that's a really good tip. It reminds me, Angela, I was speaking to a lady who did one of my courses and um, we're talking about bathing babies. And so she'd bought three different types of baby baths <laughs> because they had been marketed that you needed three different types of baby baths. And I felt a bit mean saying like, you could have just used a washing up bowl. Like you don't need yeah. to go like <laughs> all out on like the marketing is just mad. So actually, like we said, if you see a particular product marketed before you actually hit that buy now and purchase it, speak to mum friends, speak to your mum communities and see if it's actually a necessary purchase or if it's just a little bit of a, a marketing dream. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's the same for um, healthcare products as well. So, you know, um, how many things are, are marketed for babies for newborn products? And actually, there is no safe newborn product to use in that first month at all. Um, you know, and all the research that's been done on these products has been very biased. And most of us midwives find that the moment that a baby's bathed in baby bath or, um, you know, baby oil or whatever else, they come out in a horrendous rash because their skin is just so delicate. It's really, really thin. I'm not saying that they can't be used these products later on down the line. They absolutely can do. But the best thing for a baby in the first month of life is just water, literally just plain water for, for cleaning bums, for, you know, cleaning eyes, for, you know, head to toe baby sort of washing. And you're right, you can just stick them in the sink. You can put them in your own bath with you if you really want to. Um, and it's keeping their skin as perfume-free as you possibly can do. Um, so that, that way they don't react. Um, and even then, I mean, the longer that you can leave their skin without any products at all, the better. And the best things to use on your baby's skin are things like coconut oil and vegetable oil. Real basic oils that, you know, most of us will have in the cupboards and cook with. So you don't even need to buy your baby wash, your baby bath, your everything else. If you're going down the disposable nappy route, you might need to buy some bum creams. Absolutely. But, you know, the rest of them, you know, you really don't need half of the things that are marketed to you at all. Yeah, so definitely don't feel pressurised to buy these things kind of pre-baby. Buy them as and when you need, um, if, if you need, if they crop up once your baby's here. But yeah, don't be spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds on products that might actually just sit in the cupboard not used. 
Definitely. And I think the other thing to think about as well is as mums, the other things that we can choose as well is reusable period wear as well. So um, on average, the average woman will probably use about a thousand products in her lifetime um, in terms of plastic pads, tampons, sometimes even more than that, depending on how regular your cycles are, how heavy you are um and how many babies you have because of course pregnancy stops your periods for nine months if you breastfeed that's another year and a half potentially off of having periods so um again uh, breastfeeding comes into its own in terms of um decreasing your periods um which is more sustainable for the planet because of period wear but choosing sort of cloth you know knickers um that are designed for period so period pants basically or um, cloth pads or uh, moon cups is the other thing that we can choose to use as women which again has that economical and environmental impact uh, they're also cheaper long term again you don't have to do all or nothing you can build it up gradually like nappies but that's another big impact on the environment as well so you know changing to these alternative routes again is is another option that we can choose and as a press pads so they do a kind of reusable version of those I'm assuming probably yeah oh honestly I cannot tell you how uncomfortable disposable breast pads are having having used them there is nothing worse than the sticky part of a disposable pad sticking to your nipple and having to peel it off it is worse than anything I've ever had um because I, I didn't actually buy my uh reusable pads until afterwards actually breast pads um and when I wasn't getting along with the disposable ones, I was like, this is awful. I am never using these. I would rather stick towels in my bra than anything else. Um, but bought some bamboo um, reusable breast pads and they are so comfy. They are so nice. And again, they can be, if you don't, you know, sell them on or pass them on to friends and stuff, they can be used as cleaning rags or as um, face pads for your makeup wipe removers because they're really good for that. So you can use them as makeup cleansing pads after you, you're done with them, which is fab. So there's lots of purposes to them. Amazing. So actually, most things that we go to purchase, it's maybe just worth thinking. I wonder if there is an eco um, version. And actually, that's where Google's just incredible, isn't it? You hit that into Google, you're going to get some ideas. And um, so that's amazing. Now, are there any in your kind of experience and through the research that you've been doing, Angie, are there any kind of top um, products or maybe even specific brands that you would recommend um, parents look into if they want to go down this, this route to whatever depth they fancy? Yeah, so I've been, um, and I have to sort of declare this, um, I've been a rep for um, the Nappy Lady for the last year and they're a really friendly team. Um, they're one of the oldest sort of nappy uh, retailers going you know they're over 20 years old which is amazing um and she took it over from someone else so it's just a really good way to start and they've got a questionnaire which is fabulous because the questionnaire asks you lots of different questions it's a very detailed questionnaire but it goes through what your budget is actually what's the size and build of your child how long are you planning on using cloth nappies for etc where actually you'll get a recommendation based on your responses and they aren't paid a commission for what they uh, sort of recommend to you, which is great. So it means that that way you're not being recommended the most expensive one because they're going to get more commission. They're not paid commission. They're paid per questionnaire, which is great. So that means that you're more likely to get a answer back that's going to suit you. And that way you only invest in what you want to use. So if you're already thinking about having them there ready to go before your baby arrives, if you don't want to go down the nappy library route, actually then you're gonna um, just invest in the things that are most likely to suit you which is great and they've got so many different brands 
um, and they only buy from ethical companies. So they look into the manufacturing of all of the retailers that they sell and they only sell um, things where they're being made ethically, sustainably, or in factories where the workers are being paid a fair wage. So um, it's not sort of the cheaper end of the market. It's, it's sort of um, mid to sort of high end range. Um, there are some cheaper versions on there. And like I said, Terry towels and stuff like that, you know, they are at the cheaper end of the um, sort of budget. So they're really uh, my sort of top company that I really do recommend. Um, and they do period wear as well. So that's the other great thing. And they've got another company called the, Nappy, uh, the Period Lady D as well. So if you don't have babies and you're just listening to this because, you know, you've had children and everything else, the Period Lady is another option for you um, ready to go. Um, I really like Frugi um, and Frugi are run by Top Spots, which is a nappy company and they uh, sort of sell organic clothing um, and they're very, again, ethically based, which is a, a big factor, really. So sustainable. So, so sustainable. So, so is in SEW and sustainable is just one of the most amazing females that I've probably ever talked to. She's 15 years old and she makes her own cloth reusable pads. She's just come out with a nappy. Wow. She makes cloth wipes for cleaning and for, you know, hand washing and bums. She's 15 years old. And she's come up with a business model and, and she's just, oh my word, like I just take my hat off to her completely. I just... I, I really highly rate her uh, massively. So you can always check her out. She's on incredible. <laughs> I know. I just, I, I love females. I really do. Who really go above and beyond. And she's one of those. Um, and someone else who's come out this year, someone called Bearbots. Um, they're a new nappy, um, which is really thin. So if you're after a really thin nappy, that's an all-in-one version. So ones that you don't have to take apart or, you know, faff around with. They're really skinny nappies. And, and that's made by a Scottish mum, actually. Baba and Boo are fab as well. Baba and Boo are lovely. Um, they're in Manchester and Little Lamb. So they're all really good nappy sort of brands that I really recommend that are sort of UK-based um, brands. Cheeky wipes for wipes. So they also do face wipes for your makeup pads and things like that. So they're really good. Um, and they come in like all-in-one kits so that that way you've got ready-made uh, bags to take your wipes out and about in. They come with a mesh bag that you literally just undo and chuck straight in the wash. They're really simple, easy wipes to use. Um, and for their kits, they're probably about £40, but they'll be the ones that last you decades, you know. Um, I've had some passed on to me from other mums that um, they've used it with all their kids and they're still going. And I'm using them as cleaning rags now, which is great. For sort of more wooden toys, um, I really like um, Dilly Blue, uh, which do sort of wooden peg dolls and Tinker Tray Play, um, which do wooden toys, really like them. Um, and real wood design. So if you're looking sort of the wooden uh, toy market, but you can always have a look. There's so many different small businesses for wooden toys. It's just having a look out there. And most of them are small businesses. So you really are supporting them when you buy from them, which is great. Um, and then clothing wise, I really like Two Bears Boutique is another option as well. So they do cloth friendly clothing, which is lovely. And it's all, again, organically made. Um, and they plant a tree for every item sold. So you are actually really looking into the ethical sort of long-term environmental impacts by buying from them because they are planting a tree for every item, which is even better, really, in my opinion. And they do some really cute clothes. They're really quite like funky and bright, aren't they? I think I've seen some of those. Yeah, they're lovely. Yeah. And I guess that's what's so amazing in today's day and age, isn't it? Is that ethical um, brands and clothing are also really kind of fashionable now whereas perhaps 
a few generations back, if you were going down that route, they may not have been as beautiful as the um, less ethical alternative. But we've totally started to bridge that gap. And actually, especially like you said, with the nappies, they're gorgeous. So there's not that barrier anymore, which is brilliant. No, and I think the awareness has made a big difference. You know, our parents didn't know what was, you know, they just didn't know how much water went into making a disposable nappy. They didn't know what the long-term impacts are of landfill or anything like that were, whereas actually we've got a lot more awareness thanks to, you know, the um, sort of the environmental awareness from lots of things that are happening from, you know, Greta Thunberg to, um, you know, David Attenborough, you know, thanks to all these amazing people in, in the world of, you know, science and, and conservation, we know more and therefore we can't use that as an excuse anymore, I don't think. And it's not about all or nothing, you know, I still do things that aren't sustainable, you know, I still occasionally, I mean, Costa aren't taking our cups at the moment, sadly, our reusable cups to be able to give us coffee. So we still have the, you know, the bits and pieces that sadly will be disposable going forward at this moment in time, especially with COVID, but anything we can do makes a big difference. So it's, it's all about making the small changes because it's that small change that then becomes a catalyst for more changes. And, and certainly that's what I found, you know, that nappies and those cloth wipes have literally led to so many other changes that have gone, why did I ever use the disposable, whatever it was? And then I've gone, oh yeah. Or why did I buy that in the first place? Because the plastic content, there's so much better alternatives out there. So, yeah. And that's what it's about, I think, our chat today. It's not making anyone feel guilty or bad for any of their decisions. It's purely providing this information because loads of us, me absolutely included, has no idea how much of an impact that things like bottle feeding or using disposable nappies and wipes had on the environment. Like even when it comes to my cleaning wipes, I've definitely still got some of those like just cleaning wipes that, that we use, the anti-back quick out the packet job. Um, and I don't need to buy them because it takes no less time to use the alternative. But without that information, we can't be empowered to make change. And that's all it is. It's providing that, that kind of platform of information. And we can just start exploring and navigating some of those more um, environmentally friendly choices out there, really, and then save ourselves some money in the um, meantime, which is even better. Definitely. And it is looking at that whole wider impact. You know, it isn't just the impact of that manufacturing process of whatever that is it's actually the transport that you've got to take into consideration it's the transport the um you know raw materials and it's the whole impact as a whole you know i mean even like cleaning products like you're saying actually those pack of wipes i mean they've probably been through about four different factories or you know different places to actually make them in the first place and then you've had to go and buy them to bring them back to your house and then use them and then you're disposing of them so then there's that landfill content whereas actually buying sort of just a packet of um for example there's some um really neat concentration stuff that you can just add into the bottles that you've already got and you're ready to go or the, like the cheeky wipes boxes you can make up your own disposable ready to go wipes with some cleaning solution with some vinegar and some bicarbonate soda you know and then you're ready to go and they're they're there they're exactly the same they're no different time wise but again it's that advertising side of things you know we're advertised we are a walking advert as human beings you know for everything and um, certainly for individual single-use companies, we're, we're big walking targets because we're made to believe that they are simpler, they're easier, they're quicker, and they aren't always. Some things are, but yeah, they aren't always. That's so trendy, and I've absolutely fallen into those marketing traps, so thanks for educating me, and hopefully everyone listening. I do now feel a little bit guilty about all the wipes in my cupboards, but I won't buy them next time, I promise. <laughs> uh, no. And <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. And I, like I said, right at the start, the environment was not a thing in my mind at all becoming a parent. I just wanted to survive. And it's just through education and through little changes that's made the bigger changes. And it is that snowball effect, you know. It isn't about feeling guilty for what you've done before. Get rid of that guilt, you know. We don't need it. Um, it's about actually, right, we've learned this. What can we do to change it? And what small things can I do to make it better going forward? What can I do to reduce reuse and recycle, really? Definitely. No, definitely. And it's amazing just to hear from someone that's actually navigated this and found, found a way of doing it financially viable and time efficient as well because they're our main things aren't they so Angie everyone that comes on my podcast which you know because you were on season one um so you're the first person to feature twice so thanks for taking your time um but what would your top three tips be to a new or an expectant mum who wants to try and embrace a more eco-friendly motherhood journey, perhaps someone who hasn't really experimented before. So this is like fresh out of the box. Um, so look into cloth nappy libraries. So that's probably the first one. Have a look into them, see what you can do. Definitely invest in the cloth wipes. Absolutely. Like that is the simplest thing. Even the people who don't end up going down the, you know, reusable nappy market, most of them will use cloth wipes because they require no extra washing. They require no extra you know inconvenience they're super easy to use so go down that road um make a wish list in pregnancy so that that way you aren't being given 25 comforters because no one knows what to buy you and they just buy the cute thing that's in the shop basically because they think that's what you want you know actually make a wish list and if people want to buy you you know no one's under any obligation to do that but at least you're getting the things that are going to be useful to you the things you want you know, there's nothing better than actually a takeaway voucher as a new mum, if I'm totally honest, because that's kind of what you want in the early days. Um, but actually, so that, that way you're not having to then resource or um, move stuff on that you just haven't used or haven't wanted. And really think, this is sort of the third tip really, is actually really think about the things you genuinely are going to need 110%. And think about when you're um, being marketed things, think, is this really going to be useful for me and my baby? Or is this going to be a potential other marketing ploy? Is it something that I can buy postnatally? You know, is it something else I can source in a different way? For example, you and the sheep or, you know, Ollie the owl always gets marketed. It's a great little toy. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying that it isn't. And I used it because we were gifted to it. But actually, in the end, the app on my phone that was free of charge worked 10 times better than the thing that kept kicking in and out when it was needed. So, you know, and certainly from four months onwards, that was the thing that kept her asleep the most was the app on my phone or on the old iPad that we had lying around rather than anything else. So, you know, look, is there an alternative? Is there another option? And um, is it absolutely going to be 100% needed? And if it's not, then you've got, you know, next day delivery on most items. And in which case, then you can buy it postnatally if you think it really is going to be beneficial. Amazing. Thank you so much, Angie. It's definitely given lots of food for thought. Um, and if anyone has got any more eco-friendly motherhood questions um, or wants more advice, please don't ask me because I will not be the best person to advise you. But Angie's Instagram page is linked in the description. I know you're always more than happy to um, try and navigate this journey with people. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your tips and tricks and knowledge. And it sounds like you're doing a great, great job. So inspiration to us all. Thank you very much, Pip. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. 
I really hope you enjoyed it. If you found it helpful, then please hit subscribe and leave a review. It really does make a huge difference to the number of women we can reach out to and empower. For daily free information, inspiration, or details on our bespoke antenatal education courses, head over to my social medias at midwife underscore pip and my website midwifepip.com. I would love to hear from expectant mums who have found this episode useful and wish to embrace further support on their wellness journey. Pop your details in the Your Pregnancy Journey tab on my website and I will be back in touch. Thank you and see you next time. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.